Good evening. We're grateful for your presence this evening. I know it's the time of year where sometimes our numbers are a little smaller on Sunday evening. Certainly we have some of our older folks who aren't able to get out uh, this time of year in the darkness, and so we want to certainly remember them. Uh, We appreciate so much your being here and the attendance tonight, especially to any of our visitors that we may have in our midst. We're glad that you're with us this evening. We've had a a good busy day. Uh, I don't know that I've seen Heath as shocked when he came in. There are about 45 kids running around on the stage and up here. We almost made him take off back out the door again. He's not sure. We need to rethink this Pew Packers contract he signed. Um, But we are glad. Our kids have had a busy day. Uh, Teen singing and things for some of the older ones in our Bible Bowl practice, our first Bible Bowl practice. Over the book of Exodus, we'll be talking about last leaders coming up a lot over the next few months leading up to the convention there uh, Easter weekend, and we appreciate prayers uh, for not only our young people, but adults and parents alike as we think about that and heads toward, head towards that. We were talking this afternoon about it the, uh, for a little bit, and tonight with our Bible Bowl, uh, you know, we're, we would like for our kids to do well. We'd like for our kids to succeed, and that means in the competition even in the Bible Bowl, but we hope much more than that, that they learn not only ways of leadership, especially maybe in song leading and in praying or, or reading scripture, things like that, but even more so about the book of Exodus, as that's what we're covering this year. Uh, and we look forward to encouraging them in that and hopefully encouraging you all as we share about the things that go on through that. I think we will plan to have several lessons over Exodus at the first of next year, uh, as it will kind of will become a congregation-wide thing. And we appreciate uh, you're encouraging our young people. We appreciate the elders for seeing that through and, and supporting our young people and our families in that. And uh, we appreciate even giving Heath a little bit of a scare tonight. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open, you can be turning to Matthew chapter 24 and really 25. Tonight we want to think about a very important day. We want to think about maybe the most important day that we could think of as far as the future holds. There's a lot of important things that happen to us, uh, and, and rightfully so, uh, physically and in, in our earthly lives. But we want to think even more so about, in particular, one of the most important days, or maybe the most important day that we could come across. Uh, I'll pause before we go any further and say, uh, I won't always promise to use black as the background, but I won't use whatever it was this morning. That was kind of like uh, psychedelic. I don't know. I wasn't around in the 70s, but you know, kind of, you couldn't quite see. Brian even made me watch it again this afternoon for a minute. He put it back up there and made me watch from back there. So uh, I apologize for that. That was an old presentation that I'd done somewhere else and apparently didn't like the computer here or whatever back and forth. But uh, we'll try to stick with things uh, that can be seen. But I appreciate, I do want to say as well, appreciate the good comments about the lesson, the encouragement for for myself. Uh, we did go to the nursing home this afternoon. And I saw Miss Frances Everett and I apologized to her for calling her out and she wasn't even here, uh, but told her, you know, that's, uh, that's, we're here to encourage each other. And we appreciate the opportunity to do that even this morning with our sister Debbie uh, and looking forward to all the ways that we can do that with each other here. When we think about this great day and you look at these numbers that are up here uh, that we're talking about tonight, uh, as you look at the right-hand side of the column for you there, uh, you might recognize some of these because they would be years. You look at 500 and 1,000, uh, 1,700 and all, you might not uh, think about those as being years, but certainly they were in the history of time. All of these things have something in column co- common all of these years. Uh, these would be, believe it or not, years or dates when people predicted uh, that the end of the world was coming or that Jesus would return. And I didn't go for every exactly date like November 22nd or anything like that, but these were all years that someone predicted that the end of the world was taking place, that Jesus was going to return. That may be the single thing that is the most speculated about 
when we think about the world in which we live. And that's funny because Jesus never gave any kind of time indicators when it came to his return. But if you've got your bulletin and you're following along with the notes, that's what we're going to talk about exactly tonight. And the red may not even show up very well there, but when the Son of Man returns or the Son of Man comes. If you have your Bible and you're looking at Matthew 24 and 25, you see things that are used there, words like end. Uh, these are like end things. You see words like tribulation, thing like signs. It kind of gets back into our class that we've had lately on Daniel on Wednesday nights. It's things that people kind of get uncomfortable about, and rightfully so, maybe because there's a lot of... Uh, misinformation out there. There's a lot of things that, that we're not sure about. Maybe we're not sure how to talk to people about those things. But we want to talk tonight about Matthew 24 or 25, when the Son of Man comes or returns. If you've got your Bible and you're looking at the beginning of 24, Jesus is going out and some of his disciples with him, and he talks about some of the stones there in verse number 2 that would not be left here upon another. And that shall not be thrown, that shall not be thrown down. And if you look over in verses three and four, we kind of shock the world there of some of these disciples. They're not sure about some of these things that he is speaking about. But tonight, he begins to talk about those things, and we want to think about when the Son of Man comes. First of all, tonight, this is not our three main points, but first of all, as far as your outline may be concerned, many people speculate but no one knows. We've already mentioned that. We could throw up many more dates that people have picked out of when the world was going to come to an end or the Son of Man would come. But many people speculate, but no one actually knows. When we think about the passages here, and due to time, we had to, or due to space, excuse me, on the bulletin, we had to abbreviate Matthew there. But first of all, many speculate, but no one knows. Matthew 24 and verse 36. Jesus says very plainly, and if you've got 24 and 25 open and your Bible has the words of Jesus in red, you see lots of it because he begins to talk here about those things. And he says in verse 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. And you go forward to verses 42 through 44, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now, I've not had a discussion with any of these people that came up with these dates. I don't know what they would say, but I don't know how much plainer Jesus can make it here. No one knows. Verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I don't know how much plainer you can make it there for people to understand. And as I've said before, my father-in-law has said, sometimes you have to have help to misunderstand it. But that's kind of the case here. Because he makes it very plain and simple that we do not know. But that doesn't mean he doesn't talk about it. That doesn't mean that this passage is not here and his words are not useful to us. Because he did, however, focus on man's need to be prepared. And if you've got your Bible and you're looking at chapter 25, we won't read all of this. It's on the screen. But in verses 1 through 13, we'll sum it up to say the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Okay, maybe now we remember that. What about verses 14 through 30? You continue on. The parable of the talents. Okay, now we remember that. That seems a little more familiar to us. But while he didn't go into every single detail, and he didn't tell us that he's going to return on January 1st, 2020 or 21 or whatever, he did focus on our need to be prepared, 
That's what this is going to talk about, and that's what we're going to think about a little bit tonight, is our need to be prepared for His return. We may not know when it is, but we need to be prepared. We were talking in the lobby just a few moments ago. We know when Christmas is. As adults, it feels like it comes twice a year because it rolls around before we're even ready for it again. We know when Christmas is. We know when our birthday is. Although Brett Lawrence tried to tell me today he forgot it was his birthday tomorrow. I don't believe him on that. But we know when our birthday is. We know when we're going to get good things. We don't know this, but we still need to be prepared. If you've got your Bible open again right there, beginning in verse number 31 of Matthew chapter 25, when the Son of Man comes, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Now, as we kind of jump very quickly over chapter 24 and beginning of chapter 25, when we come to verses number 31 and 32, what follows next in the text instructs us about the judgment. It instructs us about the judgment. And so tonight, what we really want to do, because we know that we do not know the hour, and yeah, we know we need to be prepared, but not to necessarily scare you tonight, not necessarily to cause us any type of anxiety, but to think very seriously because Jesus tells us plain and simple right here what will happen when the Son of Man comes and three things that he will do. And that should be the rest of your outline there in front of you even this evening. Number one tonight, he will sit. He will sit. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Notice there, that's how this section begins. And notice how glorious it will be. I don't know what you think of, what may be the most glorious thing in your mind. I don't know what comes to mind. We've talked here lately as we come out of the fall season about the beauty that surrounds us. And it looks so glorious around us. But I don't think we really understand how glorious it will be. The Bible uses things that make sense to us that we understand. I don't know that the streets of heaven are going to be exactly paved with gold, as we say, but, but I know that helps us to understand its beauty and the magnificence of it. But I, I think we can only begin to, to touch the garment, the hem of the garment, of how glorious it will be. But here, Jesus talks about that. And notice His glorious throne. He will sit on His glorious throne and he will come in his glory now we've got lots of art artist rendering here's just one in particular that you can pick out if you you google or look around on the internet but but again with the colors that we have in this world with the way that our mind works this may be the best that we can come up with but i don't know that we can even begin to think about how glorious it will be how glorious it will be when he will return when he will come and he will sit. That doesn't sound that exciting. That doesn't sound like something we would necessarily point out. But he does say that here in the text. He does say that. He will sit on the throne of his glory. And we notice that his deity will be manifested to all. Because we know as well in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 2. For we shall see him even as he is. Again, 1 John 3 and verse number 2. So his deity in some form or fashion will be manifested to all. Even in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 7, 
The Bible says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. We support a ministry here that talks about that. Every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. So in Revelation, we see that not only will his deity be manifested to all, but even to those who pierced him. We'll we'll notice that. Because his glorious divine nature will be unmasked and will be fully revealed at his appearing. But notice as well, the humanity of Christ is also stressed. Because here we see that he is the son of man. You know, sometimes we treat Paul like he's some kind of superhuman Christian. We read Hebrews 11 and we think about all those people. We say, well, we, we can never do that. We couldn't touch upon that. We think about Jesus, the perfect son of God. But his humanity is stressed in the sense that he is the son of man. He is the son of man. And with his second coming, a new era will be inaugurated as he sits on the throne of his glory. Notice it's not David's throne. Notice it's not in Jerusalem. And again, tonight we don't have time to get into all the doctrine and all the things that follow in that. But we do notice that he will be reigning as king. Or excuse me, that he will be reigning as king. But not just on that day, even currently. He will be reigning as king then, but that doesn't mean he's not reigning as king now. But this will signify a new day. A new day for the kingdom when its citizens will be transported into a heavenly regime and eternity begins. And when we think about that, that's encouraging. That's that day that we should be prepared for. But notice first of all this evening that when the Son of Man comes or returns, he will sit. Notice number two this evening. He will separate. And I'll give you the verses there that you can add into your outline if you're following along in the notes. But we'll go back to Matthew 25 and some of the verses that we read just a few moments ago. Matthew 25, 32 through 33. But notice, secondly, he will separate. Jesus continues on. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will, and the word used there, separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left when the son of man comes he will separate and the lord reveals that his return will be for judgment that's something we may not like to think about but his return will be for judgment and there's a little word that's used there At the beginning of verse number 32, at least in the New King James Version, I preached a series of lessons before at the Lake Hills Congregation about the little words in the Bible. Um, Words like but, B-U-T, or words like uh, uh, all, if for one particular we're talking about tonight. And there are different places that they're used in Scripture. But notice as he will separate that all nations, that little word all is a little word, but it's very important because it includes everybody all nations will be gathered and separation will occur notice as well that all that are in the tombs will hear his voice and all shall stand before his judgment seat it's a little word but encompasses a whole lot of people all nations will be gathered together all that are in the tombs will hear his voice and so notice then as well therefore all are commanded to repent For he will judge the world in righteousness. In Acts chapter 17, as Paul is there at uh, at Athens, and he is talking to those who are gathered together, and he preaches this sermon. 
In verse number 30, he says, Truly these times of ignorance that God has winked at, or overlooked, depending on the version you're looking at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Again, I don't see where we can read anything into it. I don't necessarily see any wiggle room there for anybody. He commands all men everywhere to repent. So if all nations will be gathered together, if all that are in the tombs will hear his voice, all people are commanded to repent, for he will judge the world. And that's the world. I mean, it's the world in righteousness. And when we think about that, that's important. Because, you know, some people would make this out to be something that's new, maybe. Well, that's the first I've ever heard of that. What do you mean? I thought we were once saved, always saved. Or I thought that God loved everybody. I mean, that's what we've been talking about in our class on Sunday morning over here. God loves everybody. God wants everybody to be saved, right? So why would there be any need to separate? Well, this is not a new idea, even though some people would treat it that way. What about Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2? Do you remember that? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse number 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. We need to be separate. We're to be set apart. We're to be different. This idea that Jesus is going to separate on the day of judgment should not be anything that is new to us. But that's not the only place. You remember 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You are different. You're separate. You can be that way here upon this earth if you'll be a child of God and be obedient to him. This is nothing that is new. Now, people will be shocked. And we know that there are people who will be shocked on the day of judgment. They'll act like they've never heard this before. That's a new idea to them. God loves everybody. He wants everybody to be saved. It's true. But at the same time, he is going to separate. And that's a scary thought. Most of us don't want to think about being judged or separated based on the way that we've lived. But when we look at Matthew chapter 25 here, it says very plainly that he will separate them one from another. So we know that the Son of Man, when he comes, he will not only sit, but he will separate. And then third and finally this evening, he will say. He will say. Well, what will he say? Well, the words that are spoken in the rest of the passage in Matthew chapter 25 there, and verses 37 through 45, represent truth. Notice that. Truths that are associated with the judgment day. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what your preacher you grew up with maybe said. It doesn't matter what, what Joe Blow down the road says. What matters is what Jesus says here because those are the truths that can be associated with the day of judgment. And as you go on later, and we're trying to cover two chapters tonight, and by all means, take this home and think about it some more, mull it over and read this chapter again in its entirety. But it gives us exactly what he will say. In verse number 34, to those on the right, he will say, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Do you recall maybe in school or even at home putting together a project or cleaning your room or, or doing something that you were told to do and waiting for the inspection, waiting for the judgment, waiting for that approval? And, and when you got it, you felt great. And you know, you got your, your star and, and you felt excited about it. And when you didn't get it, you felt, you felt down. But you were kind of anxious for those few moments. You see, this is another lesson for another time, but, but God doesn't leave us wondering in that same way. 
We don't have to go every day of our lives wondering, well, have I done enough? Am I good enough? Again, that, that has to be another lesson because of our time tonight. But we can have some comfort. We can have peace and hope knowing that if we are living correctly, if we are living faithfully, if we're living an obedient life to God, we don't have to necessarily be standing there anxious, worried about our eternal place. To those on the right, come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What an encouraging thought. What an exciting thought to think about. That this, this kingdom has been prepared. This is not something that God has thrown together. This is not something that will be put together at the last minute as I do many things in my life sometimes for procrastinating and waiting and hoping that it's good enough. God has had this in mind. He has prepared this for us. And what encouraging words to hear. Come, come and inherit this kingdom. Inheriting, of course, means that a person could take rightful possession of the kingdom which of course would designate here a heavenly abode. For, for such a time, God has been preparing. We think about the words of Jesus in John 14, 1 through 4 there, where he talks about, if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. His plan for all eternity will come to pass for those on the right who will hear these words. But notice as well, of course, in verse number 34, excuse me, verse number 41, to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Again, I don't want to, the, the purpose of the lesson is not to try to scare anybody. It's not, not a scare tactic. But there's no doubt that these are the words that we don't want to hear, that no person wants to hear. The question is, were we willing to do what it takes to be faithful? To be found with those on the right as opposed to those on the left. Are we preparing ourselves? Because as we read here in Matthew chapter 25 and the rest of the chapter there, with these words, eternity begins. And I, I know I've said this before, but I don't think we can begin to even touch on this concept or this idea. It's why so many people put it off and, and save it for later. I'll just save it for another time. Because I don't think we comprehend and understand eternity necessarily with our finite minds. With, all, with these words that Jesus says, with what he will say, eternity begins. Not an alleged millennial reign of Christ. Again, as many others would preach this false doctrine. But whatever God planned from the foundation of the world is exactly what Jesus foresaw as coming to fulfillment. This is not some type of, some people call it the spare tire doctrine or premillennialism that God was caught off guard and he had to kind of go and, and, and take this plan a, another way and he kind of had to improvise from the foundation of the world. It's been prepared and we can be able to inherit that if we would be prepared. See, God has done the preparing. What about us? The culmination of God's eternal purpose will be fully known and enjoyed when the Lord returns. Those souls that are honest, those souls that are sincere, those who have planned ahead and been prepared will understand exactly what these words mean. When Jesus says, for I was hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, and in prison, you gave me food, drink, welcomed me, clothed me, and visited me. It's interesting, I think, to think about this day. When the Son of Man comes. And these three things that He will do. And it's a little sobering, if you will. Again, not meant to scare, but maybe to cause us to think tonight. Because very simply, 
Tonight, the question is, are you prepared? We go back a few moments ago, and we just had to touch on them for the sake of time, but the the wise and the foolish virgins, the parable of the talents, are we preparing ourselves? It's interesting to me to think about the fact that on this day, when the Son of Man comes, there's going to be both a lot of rejoicing and at the same time a lot of disappointment and suffering. Now, disappointment not in the sense that that someone's not getting what they have have earned or what they have done in this body, receiving the things which they have done. There's several different ways we could kind of word that or phrase that. And, of course, we know that there will be few who find the path to heaven. There will be many that are destined to eternal punishment. All of these things go together, and it's a lot to comprehend. But we could break it down very simply to, are you prepared? And which side will you be on? The left hand, as Jesus explains it here, or the right. And as he says there, enter into the kingdom. And as he says there, go away into everlasting punishment. And at the very end of the chapter in verse number 46, when he says, these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And with that, we're done. We're done with this section. We're we're ready to move on as far as Matthew is concerned and the other things into uh, the things that will take place up to his death and his crucifixion on the cross. And and we kind of, you know, for us and for our reading purposes, it kind of gets dropped there and we're, you know, we're we're unsure. And you can only imagine what it must have been like to to have heard those things. Tonight, what's it like to hear those things? Are you prepared and which side will you be on? We're gathered together tonight and to worship God and as a matter of convenience as we conclude this lesson, we extend the opportunity to answer that question. We're not going to go around the room. You don't have to raise your hand. We won't go person by person and ask, but for each one of us to consider within ourselves, as we should not only do at the end of the lesson, but every day of our lives. Are we preparing ourselves? I mentioned this, I think, in class the other night. Maybe we were talking about Daniel. Uh, the house that we had been living in until we were getting ready to move houses here had even shelves and cabinets and things that were put up because the person who had lived there was worried about the Y2K. Anybody remember that Y2K that was coming to get us all? Lots of people spent lots of time preparing. And rightfully so if you're concerned about a, a particular event taking place. The day of judgment is coming. The Son of Man will come. And when it happens, are we prepared? And which side are we on? We'll be singing to encourage you tonight. Maybe you need to become a child of God. We don't want you to delay. This is not to scare you, but to cause you to consider your position and your relationship with God. Are you a child of God? Do you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins? Maybe you are a child of God and you've simply wandered away. And you're not sure. You know, I always say that wandered away because we we kind of out out of habit say that. But I also think of sometimes I pronounce it wonder. And that's what we do sometimes. We wonder. We leave not sure about what would happen to us if the Lord were to return even this very evening or the next days or weeks that are to come. We don't have to leave that way. You can leave tonight in peace and comfort even as has already been done today with someone responding and saying, I need the prayers of this congregation. I want to, to be better. I want to set aside some of the things in this life that get me down. Tonight we will be singing to encourage you for any of those reasons. If you want to make a change, you can make it known now as we stand together and as we sing.